This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content. That's what they're saying in the papers this morning. Uh, shine bright like a diamond um, because the red tops just love stories to do with temperatures and weather and sunshine. And they're going all out in the mirror this morning saying 25 degrees uh, tomorrow. In fact, one or two are saying that today we'll even hit 24 degrees, maybe even 25 degrees. The Independent is saying that uh, this could well be the hottest day of the year so far. What part of the country that would be, I'm not quite sure. But we take it all day long, don't we? Because otherwise you're just looking at doom and gloom and depression and negative stories in the newspapers like unfortunately it has to be told I get that I understand that people need to know wait times longest at the Cork A&E the longest in the state now in both the CUH and the Mercy the longest in the country and that's nothing to be singing and dancing about and it must be mortifying with a stat like that to have Michal Martin the Taoiseach and of course the Corkman himself going into City Hall when uh, Cork can claim the longest waiting lists in the country. 20 hours, actually. 20 hours is not untold and unheard of. And that's a story that makes the echo today. And God knows we talk about it a lot on the air. There are other medical stories. I may come back to this a little, little later on. A 20-year-old man who uh, sued over a five-month delay in diagnosing a brain tumour. I believe he was around about 14 years old at the time. He was uh, awarded six million in a high court action against uh, the courts and indeed against uh, the hospital. Um, it's a very lengthy report actually in the papers on it today. If it only had been diagnosed earlier and uh, the mother, she besieged sieged the CUH over the years for help for a 14-year-old son. I believe in the end she got a private scan and it was the private scan then that showed the tumour in spite of an awful lot of warning signs in his behaviour and his uh, physical condition. Uh, but that's a story that makes the papers today because that was settled uh, for over six million. Meanwhile, money-related matters to deal with, uh, the, you know, uh, hospitals. More to do actually with the, with frontline staff who, and here we are in the middle of June, still waiting five months on for their bonus. You would think that with the click of a mouse... That could have been done in a matter of hours, never mind days. But here we are, five months later, and they're still, in spite of getting it, uh, you know, offered to them, uh, not being delivered. You just can't make that stuff up. And that's why Ben Dunn, you know, if the country was all run by businessmen and businesswomen, so business people, I suppose, wouldn't we be in an awful lot better shape? Uh, ben Dunn has come out now and is called, um, he's called the government a Mickey Mouse coalition. He says, I have never seen the political class looking after themselves so much while hard-pressed people are living on food rations and on the streets. And of course, I could fill radio programs for many days and others besides me of people who are struggling or indeed living on the streets or, as you heard during the week on this program, living in their cars. So um, he also says that this stage we just need to kick out Martin and Varadkar. Who we put in there, though, is a question that I'm not quite sure he was asked, but it's a story that makes uh, this morning's Mirror front page today. Meanwhile, Leo Varadkar had a big soiree last night. There was a big Fine Gael celebration dinner. What have they got to celebrate? Well, apparently, they were celebrating 10 years in power. So they had a soiree and a bash for it, toasting their years in power. I would, I would think they'd have nothing to celebrate or to toast or to be anyway uh, proud about. But maybe they believe their own narrative. At the same time, of course, uh, you know, um, Leo Varadkar yesterday agreed with Michael D, uh, saying yes, 
how we handled housing is a disaster. And he agreed. Um, other, other areas of our economy, of course, that have come in for quite an amount of criticism are our hotels. Uh, and we all know that time after time after time, if there's ever a big gig on, they hike up the hotel prices. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with supply and demand, they say. I, I don't actually see that happening in any other retail setting. You wouldn't find that in a DIY shop when they're down to the last few items that the price goes up. You wouldn't find it in a supermarket. In fact, you probably find that supermarkets drop prices. But hoteliers, well, they're being blamed now for damaging our country overseas with tourists. The rip-off culture of Ireland. Remember when we used to call Ireland rip-off republic? Well, it's back, lads. And uh, Michal Martin told me on the air months back that there were no investment funds buying up houses or housing estates in in Ireland. Um, I remember almost being aghast when he said that, but he said that it wasn't true. Well, uh, he needs to read the mail today where they say that more than 3.5 billion euro worth of property was bought by investment funds in the state only last year. Three and a half billion. That equates to 12,000 dwellings bought by non-household sectors in 2021. As in 12,000 of them were not bought by individuals, couples or families. And of course, Golfgate, another one of the... uh, disasters of our time when it comes to politicians. That makes this morning's mail today. Not so much about revisiting Golfgate, but the fact that the Oireachtas Golf Society uses the official HARP logo. You and I couldn't do that. That's trademarked. That's licensed. You have to apply to be able to use it. And by all accounts, the Oireachtas Golf Society never did. In spite of the fact that they were told stop using the official green HARP Irish logo on your Irish Golf Society I, I guess they use it online. I guess they may use it in paperwork or in letter tops or stuff like that. Um, sometime back, I told you the story of a young man who was accused of having €120,000 worth uh, of cocaine stashed in Cork somewhere back in April. Uh, you might recall that story from the back end of May. He applied to get his passport back from the Gardaí and to have his bail condition, conditions relaxed. This was an accusation. He wasn't found guilty of anything. He was going to go before the courts, a 21-year-old balancholic lad. Uh, he was to go... Um, on his holidays in Portugal and apparently he had booked the trip to Portugal before the alleged offence occurred in April so he's before the court to apply for the relaxation of his bail and the return of his passport so he could go to Albufeira with his friends for a long weekend in June now that was denied by the court court I remember at the time the sergeant said some fellas sunning themselves in Portugal while he's on a charge of having 120,000 euro worth of cocaine is just not appropriate so he didn't get to go to Albufeira but yesterday in the courts, there was the story of a woman who who was accused of assaulting another woman inside a department store I think it was in pennies Uh, I think it was in pennies Uh, she was uh, accused of assaulting another woman inside a department store she has been given the green light to fly to Turkey, but the difference is, uh, your man wanted to go on holidays to Albufeira, she's been allowed to go to Turkey for dental treatment this week, she was before Longford District Court, Uh, she's on free legal aid and appealed to her through her solicitor to have her, her bail terms released so she could go for dental treatment and the judge said okay you can go it's dental work you can go for that um, I know it's a big difference between dental work and an, and a, an allegation of 120,000 euro worth of cocaine uh, you know they, I think they felt that in the case of the cocaine story he may not come back 
Ian Bailey makes the papers also uh, because he has a new home, but it's secret. He isn't telling anybody where he's living now because he's being stalked and he says he's getting death threats. So that's the story that makes the star this morning. And, you know, during COVID where people relocated and are still relocating, where would you think was the most uh, uh, the, the, the most f- uh, sought after relocation location? That sounds lovely. Relocation, location. It was Galway, apparently. We came in second behind Galway, which, is, which isn't so bad. I'd prefer if it was first, but we are second. When people got out of, say, for instance, Dublin, where did they want to go? Galway and Cork. Maybe that was a lot of Cork people coming back. It actually was a lot of Cork people just coming back to Cork to live and to work. And many have stayed. And do you know the old saying years ago, Guinness is good for you? Apparently it is, but only the one pint of it. There's a research out this morning that says that Men who drink a bottle of lager with their dinner every night will have a healthier gut. It's always the second and the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one, of course, that do the damage. And instead, if you, if you drink too much beer instead of a, having a healthier gut, you'll have a ginormous gut. It's almost nine o'clock. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. That's the weirdest thing. It's well gone nine o'clock. It's 16 minutes past nine. But anyway, lines are open. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818 and give us a call. Big day on Leaside yesterday. Um, there's a big pro- there was a big protest uh, at City Hall. I actually drove past it and I heard many, many people there uh, chanting. Um, and this was an organisation called FUS, Families United for Services and Support. They were outside City Hall yesterday um, and they were actually... Um, very much engaged, particularly as the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, was arriving. Um, and of course, they are very impassioned. And you'll understand why in a few minutes' time. But this is some of the audio uh, of family members outside City Hall yesterday afternoon as the Taoiseach, a Cork man uh, and a Cork TD, was going into City Hall. I think it was marking uh, some event um, from years back when he was, when he was you know, Lord Mayor of the city at the time. <laughs> say, wow, I wonder how he reacted to that as he walked through the front doors of City Hall. Rebecca O'Riordan, Rebecca, good morning. Good morning, thanks for having us on. You're welcome, you were there. How did he react? Katie Healy-Nolan gave him a letter, he took it, but how did he react? Um, He looked very shocked to see us and I think, I suppose, I I think that a lot of these politicians are, they're, they're kind of using our children as a political football the last God knows how long and they just didn't expect us to, 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 to stand out there and to make a fuss because that's all we have left to do. That's all we have left. We can do, like, we've tried the courts, we've tried the emails, we've tried letters, we've tried engaging with politicians, 
I mean, what's left for us to do but to stand outside City Hall and to literally boo? Because, I mean, we can't, we can't even get... We're his constituents, you know what yeah, I mean? You, you say boo, yeah, even, yeah, you boo. And you, what was the chant about Me Hall Martin let us down? Um, it was from our last, our, from our last couple of marches. We were um, saying, uh, we are marching through this town because Me Hall Martin has let us down. Well done, well done, well done. He took the letter, though, didn't he? He did, he did. He took the letter. Um, he didn't speak to any of us. He no. just took the letter and, and continued on walking. It's a letter detailing, it's just a drop in the ocean, frankly, but it is detailing some of the many children within his constituency. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, M is an adorable 20-month-old girl living in Cork. P is a five-year-old girl living with rare life-limiting conditions. Uh, o is two years old. D is 11 um, J is autistic. E's been waiting for a leg brace for nine months. S is seven and has been waiting for OT for four years. A is eight and has been waiting three years. B is one with quadriplegic cerebral palsy. E is 15. A is 12. A is two. R is 12. K is 15 with cerebral palsy. Brothers D and T need OT. E is three years old, is on an urgent list. K is left waiting for funds to be released for a wheelchair. M and C both attend special schools, awaiting respite. L is 15 with complex needs. O is six, has global delay and cerebral palsy. Will I go on, Rebecca? Do I need to go on? It's, it's, I wish I could say that this was every child in Cork that is being failed, but it isn't. And that's, that's the saddest part because this is, the children in that list, it seems shocking to people who, who maybe, who aren't having it every day and who aren't experiencing it. But it is literally a drop in the ocean. It is. Here's some more. M is nine with rare syndromes. R is four. B is 17. D is 12 with autistic. C is 12 and was turned down for disability services. K is awaiting assessment at the age of three. A is 14 with complex needs, gets absolutely no services. What do these children have in common? One, they do not have time. And two, every last one of them lives in your constituency. Have you any idea how powerful that is, Rebecca? I, I'm I'm really glad to hear you say that because frankly, I mean, it feels like we've been screaming into the void. It really does. It it just feels like I mean, we're 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 drawing a lot of strength from each other. We have a really good group going. There's a lot of like sharing of information and things like that. But frankly, it feels like the underground railroad because that's how that's how forthcoming it is to navigate. That's that's what it's like to navigate children's disability services at this point. The only you can't get anywhere and if you find out even who to email it's like you heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody else God knows yeah it's made as complicated as possible isn't it that's intentional incidentally what do these children have in common they don't have time and that's very important that line they don't have time because early intervention in everything is just vital isn't it that's it and I suppose like there, there are children aging out of the system at the moment who have never actually received children's disability services and the, 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 the kind of thing that doesn't seem to be understood is that these children, this is their childhood. These are children who can't participate in their communities because of a lack of equipment or a lack of appropriate support. They don't get to go to preschool. They don't get to go to primary school a lot of the time. They don't get to go to secondary school. Like, they can't go to summer clubs. They can't go to after school clubs a lot of the time because the supports aren't there for them. Their families sometimes can't even go out of the house because they don't have wheelchairs that's it Kay is a little girl left waiting for funding to be released for a wheelchair 
She's trapped, though, isn't she? Well, this is it. I mean, there's, you know, it's just the, the absolute basics, such as, like, you know. know, having a bath, you know, it's just, it, it's bananas. So the list that I've read out, actually, that's just a drop in the ocean of the 100,000 children with disabilities on waiting lists across the country. 100,000. Would it have made a difference if Michal Martin had turned around yesterday and said, listen, why can't you just, why can't maybe two or three of you right now come on into City Hall with me and we'll sit down for 20 minutes and chat? Then it would have made a difference. It Wouldn't would have, it? of course, made a difference because we've been asking his, we've asked his office for a meeting and we were told that he's meeting um, another parent, in, another uh, group of parents in Cork, which we're absolutely thrilled about. And that meeting is due to go ahead today. And we are, we're absolutely thrilled about that. It's fantastic. Um, it's fantastic news. However, we've been writing for two or three months. This issue is not a priority to him, and that much is clear. All we're asking for is a tiny bit of dignity and respect, because we have nothing personal against Michal Martin. But at the end of the day, he is the leader of this country. This is his constituency, and it is the worst in Ireland for disability services. And, of course, we outlined this morning that it's the worst in the country as well for A&E admissions and delays. So nothing to be proud of on Leaside. M is an adorable 20-month-old girl living in Cork. Her family are awaiting vital equipment such as a buggy a buggy Rebecca yeah. a special buggy there there are children who, who can't go into regular buggies because they need no, structural they support they have equipment yeah. they have you know machines that need it. to be used that family like they literally they they couldn't go outside they couldn't go outside as a family you know I mean they, they had 12 months in hospital with their gorgeous little girl and then they fought so hard to get her home and when they're sitting in there looking at the four walls. And it's not just these children, it's their siblings. It's, it's the their, families. It's Look at the story the of Jay. Family. Jay is on the autism spectrum, getting stronger by the day. And unfortunately, the family deal with escalating aggression. Nowhere to turn for support. CAMs have rejected in referrals, stating that there's no psychologist can deal with children with intellectual disabilities. Mother of God. No psychologist to deal with children with intellectual disabilities. That's what they were told. Like, the thing, I mean, like, our own daughter has a diagnosis of intellectual disability, and I can tell you now, we haven't received so much as a pamphlet to explain that since it happened. We have... She, you know, we, recently we've been dealing with uh, food and drink refu- refusal and we're just being bounced from one place to the next because it's not a physical issue, so the hospital can't help. But then there's also no services there to actually, because, it, you know, she just, she got a fright, she, you know, um, because she has epilepsy, she got a bit of a fright when she got sick recently and, and she just, she just, it just turned her off food and drink. So are you looking at, a, are you possibly looking at a feeding tube then? Well, I mean, right now she has lost over 10% of her body weight and she's being, you know, her GP is doing everything he can. We've been up to A&E multiple times, but there's no, there's no services there. We, 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 we knew this was coming because we could see her intake reducing over time. And we asked the, um, the children's disability team, would they help her? They told us that there would be a webinar. And that was supposed to take place last March. And then the webinar was cancelled. And now here we are with a toddler who's lost over 10% of her body weight in a eating. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's nowhere to go. Yesterday was a powerful day. Do you think it will make a difference? 
if it doesn't, we'll just keep going. Keep going, that's for sure. Keep going. Do you mind if, have no choice. Yeah, do you mind, Rebecca, if I just chat with Gavin Owens? Thank you so much for taking the call. I appreciate it. No problem. Do stay Thanks. in touch. Feel free to stay in touch. One of the two of the kids that I mentioned there on that list, D and T, um, are uh, two brothers, sons of Gavin. Gavin, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. You were there yesterday? I certainly was, yeah. Okay. It was uh, a powerful demonstration. Wasn't it very powerful? It really and truly was. Do you think it will make a difference, though? Because he just took the letter, parts of it I've read out this morning, and walked straight into City Hall. Yeah, we're not, we're not under any illusions. We know this is a marathon, not a sprint. But at the same time, what we're, what we're asking for, what we're demanding is fixable. These are fixable problems. You know, these are things that can be addressed. At the end of the day, like even for families with physical disabilities there you're talking about equipment Joe it's extremely expensive for a family to go out and buy these things Yeah, uh, but it's, very, it's it's nothing to the state you know they, the state can afford this and they can easily afford this it's just a case of making the necessary resources available to the local team Mother of God listen to this Kay is 15 cerebral palsy her hip has been dislocated for 13 years uh, orthopedics refuse to intervene. She is expected to live with intense pain. I mean, you cry when you hear stories like that. Absolutely, yes. Um, it, it's it's tough. You know, it's tough on all the families, and we're we're very lucky that we have each other. But we we need something more. We're not we're not specialists. You know, I'm I'm an electrician. I'm not an OT. I'm not an SLT. Our children, our children are suffering abuse at the hands of the state. Absolutely. It's the only way to describe it. Oh, my God. And tell me about D and T. Yeah, so the two lads, both, they're both autistic. Um, they're, they're great boys. They're really great boys. But they, they need more than what we can give them as parents. They need more than what my wife can do as their carer. And um, like it's, it's providable. They need ongoing intervention. Do you mind if I put a name? I, I know it's D and T, but would it yeah, be okay that, to... Sorry, Dottie and Small. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so, like we've we've dealt with a lot, um, as Rebecca was saying there earlier. Like we've been also turned away by cams in the past. Um, we were dealing with extreme anxiety, school refusal. Um, we've dealt with selective mutism. We've dealt with all the um, selective all mutism. The is that just refusal yeah. to speak? Is it? Yeah. Well, just uh, it, it's more of an inability almost to engage. Um, our eldest was uh, he, he had a lot of uh, speech issues. He had a very delayed speech coming on. Um, we were very lucky in the sense that we could access private intervention. And that really helped bring his speech along and his ability to express himself. But um, obviously there are regressions. Um, COVID was very difficult um, when everything stopped. So it's, uh, it's tough. And we were, we were turned away from CAMS because they, uh, purely because they're autistic. And that must lead to huge financial burdens on the family then? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Um, like, Intervention isn't cheap, um, and that's, that's not a fault of the private clinics that are providing it. Um, they, they they are providing that service, and that's that's what it costs. You know, but the state can provide they can provide it better. They're not. There's currently little to no therapies being offered around anywhere around the country that we're aware of. It's it's very good that your voice is heard, for sure. And these conversations really do matter. 100,000 of our children on waiting lists, but a million on waiting lists across the state. Um, So 100,000 is only 10% of the other 900,000 people who are in a similar scenario. Um, That must be depressing to hear that number, you know, that 
it's probably not fixable. That is that is fixable. They 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 can put in strategies to start hiring, to start recruiting, and start training people. Like, do you consider that to get a trainee out into the workforce? That's only in four years' time. There's people doing their leaving cert right now, Neil. They can go to college four or five years' time. They'll be entering the workforce in a lot of these professions. Now, they won't be fully formed at that stage. A massive drive, a massive drive to recruit and to train, you're saying. Is that what you're saying to me? Absolutely, yeah. yeah and they yeah. need to be deployed effectively as well. So I understand uh, that, that when it comes to OTs and things like that and SNAs. But a lot of the case histories I've been looking at and studying has to do with equipment, which just needs to be bought. That, that can happen so as quickly as it can be sourced. True. You know, and um, that's what, like that's why I keep emphasizing that these are fixable problems, and we need to we need to pile pressure on, especially on Michal Martin, because this is his legacy. This is his legacy you now in politics. And do you think he got of, that yesterday as he walked into City Hall with? Um, that's certainly that's certainly the point we were trying to stress to him. You know, he there was a frosty reception, to say the least. A frosty reception, despite the fact that the sun was shining. Yeah. Uh, that's it's a very accurate way of describing it. Yeah, certainly. There's a, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of hurt among parents because each and every one of us we're doing absolutely everything we can for our children. You know, but we need the, we need the state to match those efforts. You know, at the end of the day, you're we're, you spoke about early intervention earlier. Early intervention that's that's directly related to the overall lifetime outcomes of our children. That's it's the difference between them requiring ongoing care for the rest of their lives. Oh my God, that's, that's so true. That. Yeah, it's the, first, it's the first three to five to six to seven years of their life, isn't it, Gavin? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's so important and that has to be stressed. You know, if you can get the right interventions in at the right time, you know, it can make a huge difference Good stuff. in yeah. those children's lives. Listen, and uh, yeah. like, and that's, that's, that, that's, that's not just bettering their lives, which is reason enough my mind. There's also better for us as a wider society. Well, it's a societal um, responsibility. It, it certainly absolutely, is. Yeah. Um, it it certainly was, um, is. Rebecca, Rebecca gave a great speech um, at her last march and um, one thing she, she highlighted was that in the past we've locked our children away but now we're locking them out. We're locking them out of our communities. We're locking them out of our society. And we can't let this happen. Well so said, We need, we well need said. all parents. Well said, well said. Okay, um, I'll get some more calls on after the break. Thank you so much for coming on air. Well done on yesterday. Appreciate it. Thank you. Back after the break. Cheers. Take Take care for now. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. If you came to the program late this morning, this is what happened yesterday afternoon outside the front door of City Hall. standing in a crowd because Michal Martin let us down. Amongst those that were there yesterday afternoon was Yvonne. Yvonne, good morning. Good morning. And you are rearing uh, on your own your son and daughter. Michael is seven and Emily is 15. Tell us a little bit about them. Michael is seven. He's got ASD, moderate intellectual disability. He's in nappies. A special needs buggy because he's a flight risk and he's non-verbal. And Emily? Emily is 15. She's got ADHD. She um, is waiting on an ASD assessment. Goodness knows she probably won't get it before she's 18. Um, She has anxiety issues. She's sensory issues. 
she self-harms, like, the list could go on, like, and they have no services. And you're exhausted, right? I am, I am, and, like, he's a flight risk, like, and he, he walked, about three weeks ago, he walked out in the middle of the night, and, well, it was early morning, really early morning, and, um... Seven-year-old got out of bed, walked downstairs at the front door. At the front door. Now, considering my front door already has two locks, he figured out how to open them. But, um, but like he, it was a vanguard, he woke me up. I was on painkillers for an infection, it's too distraction. And I never fall back asleep, but I did in this instance and I kicked myself. But, um, thank God the guards, um, found him. Where? And Where did they find him? Do you mind me asking? Just up the road. They could see my door was open, so they figured out um, where where I lived. So they just happened to be passing in a squad, was it? No, it was actually two people found him. A post woman and another person and oh. rang the guards. Oh my God, anything could have happened. Uh, yeah, I, do you know what? Now, I would have never forgiven myself. Oh my God. We're exhausted, like, and it's any wonder you fell back asleep. It. Sure, I'm painkillers and suffering from exhaustion, woman. That's it, like, and um, I, you know, like you, I, 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 I cried over the shock. You must have been a mess. Went. You must have been a mess when the guards arrived at the doors, were you? At the door. Well, she, she, yeah, she, she woke me up. She came up to the bedroom and woke me because the door oh, was wide open. Really? She figured out, and um, she was lovely. Now, in fairness, like she was really, she was a really nice. Woman. But you get an awful shock when you woke and saw a suitor and booted that he, Exactly, exactly. I was shaking. I can't even remember her name. I was that upset. Like, like um, they. I, I went up the road to get him. I thanked everyone. Like, and um, I went home and just cried my eyes out when they left because anything could have happened to him. He doesn't see sense of danger. He firstly, firstly, he could have been hit by a truck or an early morning truck. He could have been, secondly, yeah, and he, he wouldn't have, have known. Yeah. Secondly, he could he, have been picked up by the wrong... Anything could have happened. Anyway. Anything could have happened to him, yeah. Now I have a chain up high on my door. My house is like Fort Knox. It's, it's you know, badly in need of respite for his sake as well, because he only has me and he needs to learn a little bit of independence I as know, well. I know, Out there. Yeah. Um, he needs speech and language, OT, psychology for um, behavioural issues. And is like he getting teacher. any help or intervention whatsoever? No, the school do the best they can. He's in a special school. They do the best they can, but they have no interventions going in. So your entire 24-hour day and night is caring for both children full-time yeah. and completely and utterly. That is it. Like, he go, he does go to another organisation for one hour a week. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. but like, it's not enough, do you know what I mean? And Do you ever get he, a break? Do the three of you ever go on a holiday? Anything like that? No, no. We don't get a break. So you're not, do you not experience don't. any of the joys in life? No, no. It's it's 24-7. I have two children with needs. Michael would be more complex, but Emily needs me just as much. It's so sad, isn't it? Do you know what? It's, it's awful that we have to do this, uh, that we have to march the streets for our children's constitutional rights. How dare they? Mm. 
you think that those marches or yesterday afternoon will make a difference? Um, he will. He will have read that letter that was sent into uh, put into his hand. You know, but I'm yeah, just wondering: and, is it um, is it just too overwhelming a problem um, that it can ever be fixed? Do you know about this? Thousands upon thousands of children across the country needs help. Do you know what I mean? Um, they 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 really need to shake up the system. It's it's shocking. It's shocking. Because the way things are now, say, for instance, for you as a mom and for Michael and Emily, you must really worry about the rest of their lives. I do, I do. And, it, and the big, I think the biggest fear, especially with Mikey, is if anything happened to me, what would happen to him? You worry about that a lot? No, I do. Yeah. I see, do. See, for many parents, they would be... You know, you know, happy and celebrating every single day and week and month and year of their children's lives. They'd be, you know, going through the different markers in life, hitting 18, you know, getting a good education, going to college, getting a good job, perhaps falling in love, maybe getting married, having yeah. children and grandchildren. You, you don't have any of those dreams to look forward to right now, do you? Not right now, no. no. I, they get no, no help, no services. Like um, my daughter... With, with self-harm, she's, she, you know, she, she's got sensory issues. She's got, um, she doesn't like to be touched. She doesn't, um, you know, I'd have to wait for her to come to give me a hug. I have to do it on her terms. Mm. She gets frustrated. She has meltdowns. Like my son, like she couldn't understand because my son actually a few days ago kicked her in the face and she had a cut lip over it like... You know, and this is why we're waiting on psychology as well. It must be heartbreaking for you to witness and to watch this. He phoned me yesterday to say his his meltdowns are getting more often. Poor fella. You know, it's hard. Like, it's it's really, really Are you all alone? Can you, I don't mean to pry, you know, personally, but do you... My mum, like, my mum's great. She's 65 years of age, like. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. if I struggle, God knows. She pitches like, in as best she can. Like, yeah. For me. Yeah. She, yeah, she does the best she can. But she's 65. She's gone to on 66 in June. I, I can't expect my mum. I don't ask my mum often anyway because she's not able. She's got her own medical issues. I understand. I understand. It's a, lo- it's a, lo- it's a lonely battle, isn't it, for you on your own? Yeah, yeah it's a very... Okay, okay. Okay, Yvonne, listen, thanks for sharing your story. I do appreciate it. Um, I can stay just with the call here at this side of an ad break, lads. Uh, it's very important I could fill the entire day with what happened yesterday afternoon. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. Um, were you on the mic as me, Hall Martin, arrived? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were, were you leading the chant? Well, we were all taking in turns, so it happened to be on me when he, when he came, but he just appeared out of nowhere. And I just saw him, and I think I just saw red. And I just kept going and going and going, and I just followed him. Just kept walking right up behind him and kept shouting and shouting and shouting. I think he could be deaf this morning for me. Yeah. How do you think he reacted to it, though? I don't think he even cared. I don't think, I don't think he cares about, about, about our kids. Don't you? No. Well, well, you certainly have the evidence to back that up from politicians in Ireland. But yesterday, do you think that maybe the penny dropped? No? 
No, no, no. Okay, okay. No, nothing is going to change with him. Um, because I actually got on to him 12 years ago to help to get my son home from Crumlin. Um, and he turned me down. He said that he couldn't help at all. When you say um, get your son home from Crumlin? Yeah, he was, a, he was born with a right-sided di- diaphragmatic hernia, which is a life-threatening condition. Um, he had a 50-50 chance of survival. Um, but because of his uh, hernia being on the right side, is a lot dangerous because your liver, your bowels, your kidneys are all on that side. Um, so he, so he was born on a Sunday. He had the operation on the Tuesday, but it had to be um, surgically repaired twice afterwards. Um, and he had a tracheostomy, and he was peg fed. And we ha- I had to have a house to get him home. And I got on to him and he said no. You had to have a house? How do you mean? I, I didn't have a house. I had no, like I was living in my aunt's house. Right. But uh, there, there was nurses having to be coming in in the night time to mind Callum um, because he was peg fed and um, he had a tracheostomy and yeah. everything. Yeah. And no. Yeah. And how have, the last tw- how have the last 12 years been? It's been very hard. Um, we've been, we went to loads of people asking for help and saying that there's other issues going on with Callum and we, like, and they always turned around and said, oh, but that's because of his medical background. It's like, it's not. There's other issues here. Yes, he does have this medical side, but he's also a child who has other difficulties as well. But people aren't even looking at that. And we were turned down to the disability services as well when he came home from okay. from when he was in the CUH. Okay, what so is life I like for him now? How does he spend his time? For now, well, we only came out of the CUH yesterday morning. Um, we were in we were in the Monday night uh, with a pain in his stomach, vomiting. Um, so, because like last May. We were rushed to Crumlin to see a bowel adhesions because of his operations. So it's constant. He has a pain. Oh, Jesus, it's panic again. It's the hernia after reoccurring. And mm. um, he, we think he might have autism. Mm. So and he's never been, never been assessed, no? Never been assessed. In spite of you trying to get an assessment. Yeah. So when this whole new disability network starts, uh, started up, I was like, oh, this is great. Now I'm going to have a team. And with this team, they'd all know Callum and I'd have my answers. I'll have someone to help me. But no, I literally, there's actually no one on my team to help because there's no team and there's no psychologist. And if I do ring, I get onto a physio, but she's not a psychologist. I know. Yeah. And you know something, I know, yeah, it's, it's, it's always brick walls. And I suppose when, when you came together as part of a group of other parents, you also probably thought that you might find answers and solutions. But what you, all, what you found instead was many other families in the very same situation as you. See, that's it, yeah. yeah. I understand. So see, they all have their diagnosis, so they've all been in the disability service and then they kind of came out of that and into the new network, which I'm trying to get into yeah. So I'm trying to fight. My, I'm trying to fight to get myself into it, 
to get something for my son um, because I've been told now that he's going to be going back to the HSC to get his autism assessment, which we just left it to HSC to go into the disability network. Okay. That's, so that's, it's that's, like we're just going around in a yeah. big circle. You are, yeah. It's very complicated for somebody listening to this, but what it is is just yeah. going around in circles, ticking boxes, going around in circles. Did yesterday yeah. make you feel any better, megaphone in hand, being able to... It did give me a voice for yeah. Callum. Good. Like, and I even have my, like, I made up my own sign. What says, uh, we are the voice of our special kids. Yeah. And just to, to have that in my hand and have that speakerphone and just to say that chant and just walk behind them as saying, this is me. I'm here for my son. Yeah. I'm here for Callum. Well, and I also had Kyle with me. He's ace. And he had, he, you can actually hear his voice with me as well. And he had his sign, um, what says, my big brother really needs your help. Hope he saw that sign. And there's a love, the, oh, I think there's a lovely picture going around, and there's a picture of Michal Martin standing there, and Kyle right next to him with his sign. Good stuff, good stuff. Great opportunity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Sarah. Stay in touch. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, thank you. Take Bye. care. Text 0868 back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Uh, Michal Martin heckled outside City Hall yesterday. Frosty reception, as I was saying, despite the sunny weather. Is he doing enough for his country, indeed for his county? Um, and uh, quite an amount of response to that. Jack Lynch was Taoiseach for Cork. Michal Martin is Taoiseach for Cork South Central. There lies the problem. I don't know about that. I mean, he was very forthright when I asked him when he became Taoiseach first. Will it make a difference him being Taoiseach of the country? as in being Taoiseach for Cork. And he said, no, I would be Taoiseach for all of Ireland. Um, is he doing enough? No, he isn't. He, along with his cronies, have destroyed our country. He didn't even acknowledge the children that were there. He walked in our shoes for long enough, so he knows what it's like, but he chooses to ignore us. Uh, another one, Michael Martin. Michael Martin's Mickey Mouse, and he and Leo and the rest of them destroyed our country. And there's more. Between himself, Enda and Leo, they destroyed Ireland and we should never forgive them. He's doing very little for Cork as Taoiseach, the M20 still unbuilt, North Main Street falling down, dereliction across the city and county, very poor quality roads across Cork, very few Gardaí patrolling Cork. Cork people have not benefited at all from him being in office. A lot of the things you're talking about, that North Main Street, the dereliction across the city, the poor quality roads across Cork, those are all city council issues and county council issues. The very few guards patrolling Cork, that is a national issue. I take that on board. Uh, another one or two, it says it all when he doesn't even stop to acknowledge the poor kids and their parents. For a man who wanted to be Taoiseach all his life, he's done absolutely nothing for the people. Yes, indeed, he has done one thing, more than enough damage, that's for sure. Um, fabulous to hear that woman, Rebecca, on the radio, standing up for the kids and the wrongs that's been done by our government. The only, the only way we'll see change in this country is when uh, the women start protesting for the rights of families' rights, the rights for a home, the right to have a choice to stay at home, to raise their children. The men in this country have turned into sheep and they can't protest because the government will send in the police to clear them. They won't do this to women. I encourage more women to join active women's groups and save us all, uh, says Jim. Just another one or two. We need Sinn Féin in power ASAP. Would you think Mary Lou would let this happen? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. What's going on today? So many children being born now with autism and other problems. What's going on? Something must be going on. Is it vaccines? Is it something that we are eating? 
Never had so many children before in the 80s and 90s with these problems. Something is seriously wrong. And that's coming from someone who has a child with autism. It's an interesting point that you make. But haven't you heard on numerous occasions in the past that children and the children that we're talking about now were hidden away years ago for decades and decades, hidden away and never had had any opportunity. A lot of them were institutionalized. Um, And one more, just listening to the topic on the protests yesterday outside City Hall. There's only one solution to this. A parent of a disabled child needs to get themselves elected to the doll. Text 0868104106. Them parents need better help, but unless it affects uh, the politicians themselves, nothing will happen. Uh, Bet Martin didn't even open the letter. But I'd like to bring to your attention a picture that appeared online with Michal Martin in the city and six Gardaí within 10 feet of him. No problem finding them to protect a politician. Text 0868104106. We'll have calls and texts and comments after 10. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. And we'll pick it up after 10. Just jumping in again on a lighter note, lads. Uh, some great giveaways today and indeed tomorrow. I've got some more Elton John tickets to give away this side of midday. He plays Porky Cueve on Friday, July 1st. You're listening out for an Elton John song this morning for two tickets for the gig. I also have some extra tickets for Sunday's gig at Musgrave Park. Yes, David Gray. We've got some passes to give away, some double tickets today and tomorrow for David Gray. And as an added bonus tomorrow, you cannot believe this, but I've managed to snag two tickets for Harry Styles at the Aviva Stadium Dublin on the 22nd. Now, I don't have transport, I don't have hotel accommodation, nothing like that. I have two tickets for Harry Styles Love on Tour at the Aviva Stadium on the 22nd. So if you win tomorrow, when I give these tickets away, two Harry Styles tickets, if you win tomorrow, you got to get yourself up there and back down again. Don't be coming to me looking for the how am I going to get up there or where am I staying? These are just two tickets for Harry Styles. So all that and lots more besides. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. More calls on the way um, with regards to Michael D. Speaking out about the housing crisis, the worst disaster in the history of the state. Michael D. is completely right. And the only people who will not like what he said are the government and civil servants. Why? For mismanaging the country. The public service are not delivering services in a proper manner. And the people who are not doing their jobs are overpaid to do so. Michael D. will have the respect and support of the people for what he said, says Desi. Another one, it goes to show the president's right in what he says. It's a wake-up call for our so-called TDs that are just not doing their job. A lot of the problem is, is you have political parties all going up against each other. Against. You know, you have the government and you have the opposition. And the opposition will always say that the government are doing anything wrong. And when the government are in opposition, they say... That, so you understand what that's about. That's the dance that goes on. So there's no cohesive thinking. You know, in, a, in the private sector, that would, not, would be, that would not be tolerated. If you're running a big multinational corporation, for instance, you wouldn't have all sorts of people with skin in the game roaring and screaming at each other. They would be working as one. Well, that's just my own thought. And anyway, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are very upset by Michael's D's remarks on the worst housing mess ever in this country. People are shouting every day about it, but when it comes from someone in power, it's obviously uh, heard clearer and they don't like it. Well done to Michael D, says Anthony. And there's reams then on cost of living issues that we were talking about on yesterday's programme. You talk about epidemics, and I understand that, of course, the coronavirus issue in this country for the last two, two and a half years was dreadful, and people died, and people are still trying to recover. 
and people have had uh, an impact on their health that they may never recover from. I acknowledge that. I understand that. And many people mourned loved ones who died too soon. But the we have another epidemic and we've had it and it's getting worse and has been with us for a long, long time. And that, of course, is how we treat the very young and how we treat the old. And certainly with regards to the very young and the very old who need extra special care. That's why you had all of these families yesterday at City Hall waiting patiently for the arrival of the Taoiseach. And there were many of them. Text 0868 Back to the phone lines we go. Leanne, good morning. Morning, how are you? Uh, and you have two teenage kids uh, are I do. On, on the spectrum? Do, on, on the spectrum, yeah. I have um, a daughter, she is 15, she is um, she has autism, she has ADHD and a learning disability. And my son, who is 14, has autism and a mild learning disability. And they're both are attending special schools and they haven't received services in the last couple of years. Yeah. So we're basically just being sobbed off by the, by the government and by the services. Do you think coming together yesterday, many, many families like that, taking the opportunity to um, face up or face off against the Taoiseach will make a difference? Um, I hope it will make a difference. But as, as other parents have said, we will keep protesting and we will keep fighting until we're listened to by Michal Martin and the other positions here in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Day, our children are suffering. Yeah. They're suffering. They're suffering. And, and and parents are suffering, watching. Yes, it, it is. It's very hard. Um, as I said, no, I have two kids and my worry is for the future or what's going to be there. Time after like, time I hear that. If you weren't there in future years to come, you're not going to live forever. What will become of them? Yeah, um, as I said, my daughter, like she still has to um, be taught a lot. She still has to use her packs and you still have to kind of supervise her. Like she is nearly 16 and I still have to and um, supervisor with everything with um, health hygiene and all that and make sure that she does have problems but she doesn't have to understand no she doesn't they should be they, they, they wouldn't come naturally to another child you know um, as I said now like it's like she was diagnosed with ADHD there before Christmas because I was refused by CAMS so many times over the years that she was refused to see by CAMS it's only when over lockdown when I had to bring my daughter down to the Mercy Hospital on New Year's Eve 2020 because I had no other way of trying to get help for her. That was the only option I had to bring. On New Year's Eve, you walked into Mercy Hospital. I did, I did. And I have to say, the Mercy Hospital are absolutely fantastic down there. They were, they were not letting me go home until the canteen came down to see us. And your son then, 14-year-old son on the spectrum, hasn't had OT or speech therapy in no, five, five years. Five years. The last time he was seen by the services, it was five years ago, and he only got a couple of blocks, and that was it. A couple of that what? A couple of, couple of hours, is it? A, a, a couple of blocks, or about 40 minute sessions, um, six blocks, uh, 40 minutes per session. That's the last time he got a um, little help from, from the... the but we want, we want our children to have OT and speech therapy twice a week, every week, yeah. all of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's just a joke that they've been let down. And I said, like, this is fighting um, a couple of weeks ago. I got a visit from the disability team who came into the house and they were only there for 20 minutes. 20 minutes in my house talking to myself and my husband and we asked them every question and they sobbed us off. Okay, can you they tell say, me Can you tell me about the OT and speech therapists, those that work as OTs and speech therapists? Are, there, lo- no are, there, are there lots of them in the private sector? There's none. 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 And why don't they no. want to train and, and, and skill up as OTs they, and speech they, therapists? The excuse is that they have no funding, they don't have the staff, they don't have the training. But why don't people want, if they say they don't have the, why don't people want to go into it as a profession? Is it that if they went into it as a profession and work for the public sector, 
they would be stressed and anxious and badly paid. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so it's no difference. It's no different to yeah. how a nurse might feel or a doctor working in the Irish public yeah. sector. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, I get a better picture now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As I said, now um, we're just uh, as I said now with the with the two people that came out from the military service, we asked some questions, especially for my daughter and for my son, and we were just fobbed off. They said that they don't, they had no staff, they had no funding, they were basically fobbing off to other charities. Uh, go to the Rainbow Club, which my children attend for the last six years. We will be lost out the Rainbow Club. They were asking, oh, should get together with some parents and try to organise an, an autism-friendly thing. And I said, that's easy for you to say. I said, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. they, they, they just, they just popped us I up. I understand, yeah. So the Rainbow Club with, try and look after our children. That's a charity. Have, uh, Penny, uh, dinner, is, Penny dinners feed and clothe us. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and St. Vincent de Paul are asked to give us food at home. Yeah. All of them charitable organisations. Yeah. Basically, we're fobbed up. And there's, um, they don't have respite from our daughter, which I had to get... Uh, fight for my daughter for a respite and um, she was offered a six week home based after school support for six weeks she got it and that was it then she mightn't get it again until next year she's still on the waiting list for the respite after fighting for nearly four years for the uh, after waiting four years yeah. on the list she got uh, she got what three hours one day a week for six weeks yeah and that was it and um, that was the only thing I got that's the only thing but I got isolated to help like that is of no benefit because children regress after that let's be continuous they do as I said my daughter she regressed so much over the lockdown and there was no one there or the other or the son's phone the lockdown was hell I'd say was it it was absolute nightmare as I said only for me taking my daughter to Amy I had no choice but I had to do it and Everything. when the canteen did come down, they did the assessor for about 20 minutes and they put her on the waiting list and um, they was giving medication for her. And then just before Christmas, um, just gone there, I got a phone call from the canteen saying that they were going into the school to, re- to observe her, see how she's getting on in school. And then um, I got the physician diagnosis that of um, she had ADHD. Okay. Now, I have been telling this to the disability crowd for the last couple of years years that there was something else you there. Knew I knew that she, yeah. I knew it. I knew she had it, but I was just being fobbed off. Have you other children? I've only two. I've okay. only two As a family, do you have good times? We do. We have, we have amazing times. We do have good times. As I said, my daughter, she's the most funniest person ever. She is called our gangster because she would run rigots around you. Yeah. So she would. She has She's handful. She is pretty handful. But we imagine that little bit of extra help, what she'd be like. It would be great yeah. if we got it. Okay. It would be great if we got it. Okay. Um, as I said now, um, since 2008, since she got diagnosed with autism, and then when my son got diagnosed in 2011, so it had, it had been a long, long road. There's a text earlier on what, saying, what's going on today? So many children being born now on the spectrum. Something must be going on. Has anyone identified... Are more children being diagnosed now than before, or are we just there hearing? There has been more children being diagnosed with autism in the last couple of years. Why? Has, um, I don't know. Mm. Um, that's the question I don't, don't, don't to be yeah. honest, but yeah. there is more and more children there are being diagnosed with autism. Okay, 
Okay, I wish I had more time, Leanne, but thank you so much for taking the call and sharing no your story. No problem, thank you so much. Thank All the best. Much. Back after the break, text 0868 104 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. So many people get in touch by text. Everyone is talking about the price of petrol and diesel. We have one way of heating our house, and that's home heating oil. We will freeze once the winter comes. Doesn't matter what we cut back on. We'll not be able to heat our house, full stop. We can starve and still won't be able to feed, afford to heat our house. Uh, your callers are 100% correct. This unadulterated greed from those who lost out in COVID times, government included. Unadulterated greed, clawing back COVID payments made to people who are on their knees. And just as they get a foothold again, they're shoved back down financially. Uh, you talk about the price of fuel and you know, petrol and diesel being cheaper overseas. It's the same with cigarettes. It's the same with drink, the lot. Why is Spain so cheap? Rip off Ireland. But I don't know about the fags, but drink has to do with excise. The amount of excise on alcohol, particularly wine and beer and the likes of Spain, is minuscule. Whereas here it's enormous. It's time we acted like the French. There should be a national strike. You know, the government take in 300 million a month in fuel tax, Neil. A garage makes five cent a litre. Government taking 300 million euro a month in fuel tax. In three months, they're taking a billion. That's like uh, four billion a year in fuel tax. Luxembourg has made all public transport free. Trains, trams, buses. Germany's introduced a nine-month ticket, which allows you to travel on all public transport the entire month for nine euro. We get 20 cent off a litre, which lasted one hour. And we got a 20% reduction in bus fares. And then they spend the 81 million, you tell us, on electric buses? Yes. And they're going to spend 40 million on a new jet? Yes. But yet they rented 250 cars for the Guardi over the last two years, which they're still renting? Says Desi, you couldn't make this up. Uh, the only time Eamon Ryan makes a good decision is when he's asleep in the doll, says Mossy the postman. Uh, why is it in Ireland that we still charge VRT on new vehicles, including electric, yet the EU declared VRT illegal? In a country where we ba- bend over backwards to obey EU laws. Well, that was one EU law that uh, the Irish government for whatever reason, put their foot down and said, oh, no, no, we're keeping the VRT, pal. Thank you. Too much moolah and that. We're back to the lads on the bar stools, half drunk, discussing what they saw on Auntie Mary's Facebook page. Facts Radio. Not quite sure what point you're making, but I like reading it out. Uh, two comments on Eamon Ryan. I wonder, does he, stop, does he stop in a bicycle lane next to a security car every time when they get stuck in traffic? Maybe Eamon Ryan on the, bi- the bicycle and the... Uh, uh, the limo behind him, the Merc. Also, I wonder if he buys a new bike in every town and city when he travels outside Dublin with the taxpayers. And I'm thinking his house must be must resemble a bike shop at this stage. Or does he pass them on to his green buddies and his supporters? The amount of bicycles he's seen on. Uh, there's those and lots more besides. So I'll come back to Texas again. Text 0868104106. To the phone lines we go. Uh, Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Um, I think it was Vincent that texted me, your husband, was it? It was, yes. Okay. Um, and what story did you want to share? Um, basically, it is, it's the lack of services for our children. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have two boys. Um, Reuben is 11 and Isaac is 8. Um, Reuben was diagnosed in January last year after a six-year wait to try and get him assessed publicly. Um, he, we had to fight and fight and fight and fight. So those six um, years must have been full of worry. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's not just, it's it's more than worry. It's actually total loss. It's total distress because the worst thing for me is, as a parent, is to admit that I don't have the skills 
to help my child. I mean, I, he, I'm his mother, and you hope that when you become a mother, that you'll help your child grow up, you'll nurture your child. I, I, it was very evident from a very young age with Ruben that there was an underlying condition. But again, I had to fight and fight and fight for it. And for me to have to say, I can't help my child in certain areas because I don't have the qualifications to do it. Well, you might be interested to hear a text from another listener who says, when your child... Well, this I'm, I'm paraphrasing what they're saying. Let's say, for instance, it's found that your child has a disability or is on the spectrum or needs intervention. Mm. Um, the texter says, as a parent, congratulations to you. You are now a speech and language therapist. You are now an occupational therapist. You are now a physiotherapist. Thank you and for your time. And a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's hard. And then um, we eventually, you know, we fought tooth and nail to get Ruben diagnosed through um, the HSE. Um, we got it done, but they actually outsourced us to a private clinic, the Stepping Ahead Clinic in Cork, who were amazing. Um, they did his. Um, we got a diagnosis, but we got the diagnosis and then we're left. We got a service statement to say that, yes, he needs OT, he needs speech and language, he needs psychology. But the service statement I was only looking at last night, his psychology is not due to start until 2024. That's the earliest that they can I get know, him in. I know. So he's 11. He's going to be a teenager, which is a walk and talk and hormone anyway, um, tr- that he won't be able to see a psychologist. I have tried my best to source a private psychologist psychiatrists, you name it, they're not available or their wait lists are, are two years long. Then with our other little boy, Isaac, Isaac um, was diagnosed, but we had to go private because he was misdiagnosed by the HSE. Good God. He was, yeah, he was put in through the early intervention services, was assessed by a psychologist who met him for 30 minutes and said, no, no, there's, um, there's no ASD um, you know, markers there. He's fine. He just has sensory processing disorder. No, 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 no. So I going private okay. s- speeds up the process of what you need doing, of course, but you shouldn't have to. Well, it does. But I mean, it was, it's 1,300 euro that you have to find um, to have your child assessed. Again, stepping ahead, we went with them. They were amazing. But, you know, I sent off his, his report to the HSE and I told, well, we discharged him from the assessment of need service. You'll have to reapply for assessment of need service because you now have this diagnosis. So I have to start the process all over again with Isaac, even though I have it in writing that he, he, he has autism and he is undiagnosed ADHD and ODD, which is opposition to disorder. And do you know but something? It's also, I'm just conscious of time, Catherine, my apologies, but you're also no, weighed down fine. with paperwork, phone calls, uh, paperwork, filling things in, applying, do you know, duplicates, triplicates. It's a constant. And as well as that, once you get your diagnosis, you then have to fight for disability um, services, but you also have to fight for the domiciliary care allowance. I had forms, that's the most heart-wrenching form that any parent has to fill out for their child. What was because it? You're, 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 you've got 30-odd pages of telling, of writing down your child's inadequacy, yeah, your child's yeah, struggles. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. And then you get refused, you appeal it, and then you have to go through an oral hearing where you have to sit down with somebody for an hour and a half and go through the whole thing again to get a small little bit of money to pay for the private support that we're supposed to be getting. So let me just dwell on that point. I've heard that before. You must write down everything that's wrong with your child and you probably yes. try and 
as a parent, this is this fights against your very instinct, but you probably try and make it work as bad as you can. Some, I don't have to make it as bad as I can because it's bad with both of my boys. And I don't mean bad, it sounds awful, but our house is chaos because we have two um, little boys who have their own needs and their own, uh, you know, extra needs, but they also don't understand that their sibling has extra needs. So I have one who's looking for support, the other one who doesn't understand that I have to give one support. So it's 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 chaos oh, and it's yeah. a and it's it's a constant battle for them to try and help them. It's a battle. You have to battle the HSC. You have to battle the government. You have to battle the Department of, of Social Welfare to get this money to help our children. For services because services are so expensive I know. and Pam's won't see Isaac because they've said well he has a diagnosis of autism therefore we won't see him because ADHD is classed as a mental health issue autism is not but well, because he has autism they say no we can't see him were you there yesterday no I couldn't go yesterday because I have my own health issues I'm not well I have rheumatoid arthritis so um some days I just can't get up, so my sister has to come in every day to help me get my boys ready for school, to get them out of school. To How get old are they? School. 11 and 8. So with rheumatoid arthritis, that's going to get tougher for you as they get bigger. It is. Now, the one thing I will say is the school that they're in is amazing, I have to say. Um, the support that they get, they, they're supposed to get an SNA. It's in the reports that they get an SNA. But we have been refused because they don't have primary care needs. That means they don't, they can go to the bathroom and they're not a flight. They were powerful people yesterday, weren't they, that actually did get to go in. You didn't because of your own health issues. Not everybody could make it, of course, but those that did. Do you think it'll make a difference? Amazing. Um, I hope it would. Um, one thing I actually had an issue with was when Michal Martin turned around and said, people have a right to protest. We're not protesting. We're not protesting as parents. We're actually fighting to give our children a chance at a productive, happy life. Would you say and that you're not protesting, you're begging? Yeah, it is. We're asking for help. We're asking our government. We're asking the HSE who's supposed to provide this help to help us help our children. Well I'm said, not asking yeah, anybody yeah. to rear my children. Yeah. I decided to have my children and I want to rear my children. I love my children. But I don't have the qualifications, nor do I have the understanding of their needs. So we're asking the government to help us help our children. I think that's what people are forgetting. We're it's, not yeah, protesting. Do you, do you ever dwell... No, it's, you have, that's powerful when you say that we're not protesting, we're asking, we're almost begging for intervention yeah. and help. Do you, do, you, does it, do you despair when you hear then of a billion a year going overseas in aid? No. Well, I you don't, see, because a, a, lot, a lot of the issues actually are things that need to be bought for kids, actual equipment. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But sometimes, I mean, but you don't think of the billion that goes overseas, no, as being wrong. I don't because I, I w as a person, I would I would hate to take aid from somebody who needs it. Like in lots of respects, we're lucky. We've a roof over our head. We have food in our bellies. You know, we're in that respect. But if there's aid going overseas to people who have no roofs and are hungry, I'm not going to be... Um, <coughs> no, I, I just hear all the time on this show that charity begins at home, charity begins at home. It does. Yeah. It does begin at home. But the problem is they're not paying the professionals enough money to stay in this country. 
There is no private psychiatrist in Cork. If I want to, which I am on a waiting list to see a private psychiatrist for Isaac in Limerick. And there's no child psychologist in Cork. No, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist in Cork. And a psychiatrist, if your child is ADHD or ODD, which is classed as a mental health issue, a psychiatrist has to diagnose them and give them, prescribe them medication if medication will work. Isaac, my little fellow, would benefit from medication because he's the attention span of a gnat. His emotions are all over the place because he has a dual diagnosis. So there's dealing with the ASD, which you can do with OT, psychology. You can do that with um, speech and language. So you're struggling to get medicine, even? (laughs) Anything. We don't get anything. Everything that we get for our boys, I pay privately for. And we attend the Rainbow Club. Thanks be to God for the Rainbow Club. Because if there wasn't the Rainbow Club for the children... That's not the first time I've heard that, yeah. No, and for the parents. I mean, Karen... Karen O'Malley has, has sat me down in her office and spoke to me and helped me through some really, really hard times. Um, you know, they get it. They understand the struggle we're going to and they're limited with what they can do. They do the best for all the kids that they have in there. But it's only one small organisation. Yeah, I know. I know. And I know you asked in the last caller there about why, do I, why does she think that more kids are being diagnosed with autism. I don't think there's anything going on, but I think there's more awareness. And parents are more aware of the differences in their children. Like when I was a child in school, there was no such thing as autism, really. But the no ADD, no ADHD, nothing like that. No. Yeah. Although they, the were, they, they probably were bold. in the class. Of course they were, but they were bold. Like, particularly with Isaac, Isaac is, is I know, he's, he, people look at him and think, oh, he's so bold, he's so bold. He's not bold, no. He's not an angel. None of my children are angel, and no child is an angel. Yeah, but there's the threshold of the way kids behave. I, I know he's what you a mean. Little pup. Yeah. He is. There's no two ways about it. But he struggles every single day to contain himself and to keep himself to what society feels he should behave as. That's he's always checking difficult. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. and he's tired of being blamed for being bold. He's tired of. He's eight, you know, and. He, he, only the other day he came to me, he said, he said Mammy, I'm, I'm, I'm blamed for everything because I, I'm always blamed first. Because he's the child that everybody sees being louder, being more expressive, or, you know, so know. it's hard. It's has hard he, pa- has he pals, Isaac? He does, he has, he does. He has uh, one particular pa- little fellow, his name is Jack. They've been in preschool together. Um, loves Jack, he has a great time with him, but only for a certain amount of time because he, he then... Like, he'll play really well with other kids for about a half an hour to two hours an hour, and then the sensory overload. And can I, yeah, and can I ask you a question, Catherine? I don't have to answer this. Have you noticed that maybe, does he get invited to birthday parties or sleepovers and things like that? He's going for a sleepover on Friday in Jack's house. Okay, right. But do you know what I mean? Like, if it's like. I tell you why is Jack's mum, who's a very good friend of mine, Rachel, works and has worked with autistic adults all of her life. So she gets so it, she but I've, I've spoken him. to other people. When I, around about the time I was talking to Dervil Burke, a lot of remember the calls of people who were saying, you know, as if they haven't got enough to be going on with, but they don't get to go on sleepovers. They don't, they don't get when cards are being handed out in classroom for birthday parties. They're overlooked. They are, and they have been, and it's simply because of their behaviour. It, 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 it's because of <clears throat> that's the reason why. Yeah, that. The families yep. or the parents at the birthday party feel that you just couldn't cope or handle the child, you know? 
Now, I, if ever we've gone to a birthday party, I've stayed. I stay at all the birthday parties if we go because I'm not going to leave my child and leave the other parent cope with what's going on because Isaac will have a sensory overload, uh, particularly with bouncy castles, who I hate bouncy castles. He then acts out. He can't control himself. He lashes out. He will un- unintentionally hurt somebody. Yeah, he doesn't gets mean it. Yeah. Like yeah. He's, a, he's actually a very funny very gentle, very kind little boy. Yeah. But what people see is the behaviour and not the child. And does that That's happen when you're out, issue. say, in a supermarket Absolutely. or walking the street or shopping mall? People will give you a look. Yeah. Do you Absolutely. ever say anything? Why we, uh, yes, actually, I was in our local playground there uh, about a year ago and a man approached me and said, you need to take your child home. Did he? Yeah. yeah. It was he fairly forward did. and abrupt of him, wasn't it? Yeah, and he got a very forward and abrupt answer, I'll tell you. Um, he actually said, you need to take your child home. Isaac was climbing the ladder and he was shouting and jumping and banging. It's the noise. He likes the noise of the metal. And now, unfortunately, he was scaring his little, his, his child. But he told me, he said, you need to take your child home. And I just answered, you know, you, you need to step away and go away, politely. What did he say? Um, nothing. He just looked at me and I just thought, you know what, this is, I hate playgrounds. Hate them with a passion, because you always get the looks. Because yeah, but my you, boys happen to be yeah, the loudest. Yeah, but you still want to give them the chance to go to a playground. I understand, you know. Of course, because you want them to integrate. The whole point, the whole thing with my with my children and probably other children who have ASD is the social aspect. I'm very lucky. My children are verbal. You know, they go to a mainstream school. Um, so I'm very lucky in that respect. There are a lot of people who are in a far worse situation. They are, yeah, but you know, everyone has you their know? cross to bear. This happens to be exclusively do, yours, I know. Yeah. The whole point of, of with my two boys is social. They It's the social aspect of things um, and regulation of, of their emotions. So you want to get them out with other children. You want them to play with other children. Now, I am very lucky that I have a very close network of friends who understand my children and... I, they play with their own children and there's allowances made. But they're saying the other side is, well, I'm not going to make too many allowances because... Yeah, I won't go clever. here because of that. I won't go to this yes. place because of this and this could happen and yes. that could happen. I know. You must be exhausted from it. Yeah. yeah. We haven't been for a family meal in years. The only family meal that we go to is McDonald's. We can't go into a restaurant because we get the looks, we get the side looks. Isaac can't sit still. He's up and down, up and down, up and down, talking, talking loudly. Um, Reuben then is on the other end. He sits there quietly and he's just... There is, um, there is a restaurant down in Bantry, a pal of mine has a chain. I think it's called O'Connor's in Bantry and it is very autism friendly. They have an entire section of the restaurant that is just dedicated to scenarios like yours. Is, is, oh. that, is that the only one that, that exists? Are there not others like that? I don't. I think he. I think he. I think he he had personally. Actually, I could get him on the air and he could chat a little bit more about it. But have you ever heard of that? Where you could there is a restaurant where it's okay for the child to, you know. No, I've never come across it. Yeah, yeah. I've never come across it. Now there is a lot of awareness with autism now, and you know supermarkets have their autism friendly evenings where there's quieter lights and, and stuff like that. Um, and I have to say, we went to Tato Park there a couple of weeks ago. It was Isaac's communion. They were outstanding and amazing. 
um, with what they did for the two boys because they have a diagnosis. And he um, could, they could run free then, like no, no grief. Absolutely, um, they gave us a fast pass because of the because of the autism. There was no queuing. Um, they, I, ha- I, I, and I emailed them after and said, look, that was an absolute fantastic experience because of how they handled it. You know what I mean? They were very, very good, and lots of places are very, very good. I know. Um, I know. But any holidays? No, I, no holiday. No, we went on a holiday in 2018, and we were both Vincent and myself were traumatized because the boys were out of their routine. Um, couldn't cope. Uh, uh, we we went to centre parks in Europe because Vincent is Dutch. We stayed near his so, parents. Yeah, so um, it didn't. It was a disaster, was it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we had a lovely day in Vincent's my parents' house. That was gorgeous because they know them and they understand what their behaviours are like. You know. Um, but one thing I think as well is when your child is diagnosed, um, as a parent you're told you get X, Y, and Z, but you don't actually get it. You're left in limbo. Everything that I've learned about services, about autism, ADHD, I've gotten from other parents. Mm. Everything. Overwhelming, yeah. Yeah, It really is. The problem is overwhelming. Everything I've gotten from other parents. And parents say, you know, you can do this, you know, you can do that, you know, you can do this. I didn't know this, I didn't know. Anytime I meet a parent who's been newly diagnosed, I'll say, look, this is what you need to do. You can get this. This is available for you. This isn't available for you, etc., etc." And people just don't know. Their, di- their children are diagnosed and they're left in limbo. I know. I know. And I know. I know. I know. I know. There's it's nothing, there's no follow-up. There's a parent, you do a parenting course with the HSE and as far as the HSE is concerned, they've done some intervention because they've given you a parenting course. There you go. And that's where that texture says, congratulations, you are now the speech and language yeah. therapist. You're the occupational therapist. You're the yeah. physiotherapist. You're the expert. Off you go now, Mammy and Daddy, and get on with the work. Very easy to give somebody a leaflet or a handout and say, right, if this situation arises, you do A, B, C, and D for your child. <laughs> yeah. That's all very well and good. When my child is having a full-blown meltdown, throwing stuff, breaking stuff, I'm trying to keep him calm whilst keeping the other one calm who is now starting a meltdown in relation yeah, where's to the pamphlet meltdown. where's the pamphlet yeah yeah, yeah. oh wait there I hit the pause button there yeah I know yeah just yeah. wait a second I just check the leaflet yeah. let me pause it hit the pause button I can't hit the pause button no. because if I do somebody's going to get hurt I have to I have to start you know do something there's no practical there's even like there's no somebody to say right this is what you do when your child is doing this. As I said, I don't want anyone to parent my child. I want somebody to help me to help my child. Yeah, and, and, that, routine, and routines and structures put in place whereby on a couple, a few occasions every week, a routine of help, care, intervention yeah. takes place. And with we, we were pox lucky, as I said. We, get to, we go to the Rainbow Club on yeah, Tuesday afternoon. They wake up on a Tuesday morning and they say, yeah, it's Rainbow Club today. I mean, that says it all. It does, and doesn't they it? Go, yeah, yeah, it's it does. amazing. And in fairness, for what services that the Rainbow Club are giving, they don't, they, get, they charge patents for it and I'm happy to pay it. Okay, okay. The boys go to the Stepping Ahead for socialisation. In Blackpool. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, but very expensive. I mean, it, it's, you're talking like three, four hundred euro for a few sessions. Where do you find but that I money? You have to find it. You have to find it. I, you know, um, now to be fair, the, the domiciliary care allowance does help um, and the carers allowance helps, but... Other areas have to suffer as a consequence, though. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. Do you know, okay. um, I can't work because I'm not well enough to work, but I'm also a carer for my two children. Yeah. I physically can't go to work, yet I'm, I'm caring With for With painful my arthritis, incidentally. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, my husband works full time. He, he works six days a week. He's gone at seven, back at seven. So he can only do so much when he's here. Um, I'm blessed with my family and my friends. They are very, very, very supportive. But there's a lot of people who don't have that support. Well said. And you're talking this morning on behalf of a lot of other parents who won't come, aren't on the air this morning. So, you know, you're an advocate for them. Catherine, thank you so much for taking the call. I wish I had more time. More but it's been, it's very It's been enlightening chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Back after the break. Take care. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. The Martin heckled at City Hall yesterday as he went in. Many families there, many parents there on behalf of their children. You just read out a text from a listener saying what needs to happen is a parent of a disabled child needs to get elected to the doll. Eamon Ryan has a child on the autism spectrum. Simon Harris's brother Adam has autism and is the founder of the autism charity As I Am. All of the above seems to make no difference. Thank you for that. Just a couple of calls this side of 11. Um, it's, it's a topic that I could stay with for days and days. I know that I have in the past, but it's one that I will never let go on um, until I hang up the headphones for the final time. Uh, Tess, good morning. Morning, Neil. Um, what's your own situation? Incidentally, were you there yesterday? Were you an opportunity to go in? I didn't have the opportunity to go in, but look, I follow it very closely. Why? Because of my son's special needs. I was on with you there a couple of months ago about um, CBD oh, oil for yes, Darren and yes, all that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, um, I suppose I sent in a text, I, I, listening to all those... You said that in 28 years, nothing has changed. 25 years, nothing. In fact, it's got much worse. Um, like, we were, I was one of the parents that went to court for rights for, for Darren to go to school. Um, that was 25 years ago, and Darren is, is 28 now, and I'm just... Things have got much worse in terms of services in terms of health delivery. And how is he now as a 28-year-old young man? Well, like Neil, Darren is profound. He's, he's profoundly physically and intellectually disabled. He's, he's non-ambulant. He has spina bifida. Mm. He had intractable epilepsy. Um, I was saying in my text there that COVID has just been used for an excuse for so much. You heard, did you hear I, yesterday, Tracy, talking about the passing and the death of her own son? And then getting I a letter did. from oh Social Welfare, Hasslinger. I, I did, yeah. I did, yeah. And that sum it up, though, these automated systems that they have in place. So sorry to hear yes. about the death of your son. Oh, by the way, you owe us 208 euro. Imagine, imagine. I mean, like, it, it beggars belief what's going on. I'm Like, a quarter of a century has passed. I was listening to Catherine there now, and, you know, you describe the emotions of a, of a parent with, with a child with special needs. You'd ask about a holiday, or do you do this, or you do that? Do you do that? Life as a parent is extremely, extremely lonely. So you told me you never had a holiday. Never had a holiday. No, no, no. not for eighteen years. But more importantly, my son has never had a holiday, never. And would you believe? Last week I was listening to the radio, and I heard about this place up in Carrick and Shannon. It's two nurses that did up a beautiful guest house and made it totally 
they kitted it out fully for for people and children with disabilities in wheelchairs. They have the hoisting facilities. They have a hot tub that they can be hoisted into. They have boat rides organised, wheelchair accessible boat rides. Um, like they had the, the vision to do that because they recognised that you know people with disabilities, specifically profound intellectual and physical disabilities, they have feelings. Yeah. Yeah, they need a life. And you know, you mentioned the hot tub. We we sourced a hot tub some months back for uh, special needs kids in Mayfield. Uh, apparently, they they makes a huge difference, isn't it? For I guess it's well, therapeutic, I, but I it's fun as well. Get my, I can't get my child into the swimming pool in the service that he's in. Yeah, he said three days back in school since first lockdown with no explanation from. And do you anyone. worry about his future that he, if he were of to, course, you know, have to carry on without you? Of course. Well, he's in his full-time care with Hope Foundation. Yeah, but still, you know. I'm his advocate. Like, I am his only advocate. And as I recently, I I wrote an advocacy service to help me to advocate on his behalf because I'm getting on there now. You know, I've I've recently diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis as well. Um, I'm working to pay for his CBD oil. Um, You'll recall that conversation that... We had, I, I paid over 23,000 euro and I'd pay another 23 because it's kept him out of hospital. But the HSE have approved an application for... 23 grand later, they're going yeah. to give you their brand, is it? Yeah, but yeah. the application has gone in with two months and they haven't done it yet. Who knows you know? how long so that will be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like children, parents of children with disabilities, all they think about is their child. Of course. Morning, noon, noon and, and night. night. Yeah. Do you, mind if I cha- okay. do you mind if I chat with Rachel? Just I want to get a quick call in before 11, but sure. Tess, good to catch up with you, all right? Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Rachel, Bye-bye. you founded FOSS, which is the Families United for Service and Support, so clearly you were there yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. And um, I'm actually based in Dublin, so Rebecca is our Rebecca O'Regan. She was on earlier on. Okay, She's our so that's yeah. okay. So it's national, but you saw the video Absolutely. footage clearly, did you? Oh, I did. I was on uh, watching it live. Yeah, I was sitting on the side watching it every okay. minute of it. Yeah, think it'll make a difference. Um, I certainly hope so. I think the families proved yesterday that we will not be silent and we will not go down quietly. Absolutely. I think Michal Martin was embarrassed yesterday, as he should be. Yeah, and thankfully, it's got quite an amount of media traction, and that makes a difference with regards to spreading the message, you see. Absolutely, yeah, it does. Sadly, we need the media, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, this is personal to you with regards to your own kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have three children, but two are autistic. My eight-year-old and my four-year-old are both autistic. My eight-year-old was discharged under the old system, um... Uh, at age six and he's eight and a half now he hasn't been seen since Um, I suppose first started in February when I spoke to the Children's Disability Network team and I flagged some concerns of mine that I had about my son and I was told in no uncertain terms he is not a priority Mm, well what are you see the priority is a million people on waiting lists a hundred thousand of them children and yet your daughter at four has never got any support full stop no but they're the most um, important years of the life with regards to the development of the child oh absolutely Absolutely, and I suppose we. I can. I have to acknowledge that I'm in a very privileged position where both my children are in private therapy, um, because we are able to with family yeah, help. No, I know that, but I think the privilege really would be in a society and a state that cares for your children. That would be the privilege. It's far Absolutely, I mean, 
Absolutely, that's, you know, the the dream. That's what we all hope for. That's what we all want. You know, people talk about this being um, charity. This is not charity. You know, we're not asking for charity. We are asking for our children's rights to be upheld and, that, and nothing more. Just what they are entitled to. So don't talk to me about 81 million electric buses don't, or 81 million euro electric, but don't talk to me about a 40 million euro Learjet that needs buying for the government. I don't want to Absolutely. know about these things. Absolutely. I, want to hear, I want to hear about austerity within government where they yeah. are budgeting, cutting back, prioritising. Well, you know, Anne Rabbit stood in the doll yesterday and said that resourcing for children's disability is not the issue. Funding is not the issue. What is then? And um, well, I suppose at the moment it's rec- recruiting and but your recruitment the is funding. She's she's talking through her. Well, hat. you see the money. Well, the money is there, Neil. Okay, so there's 500 positions approved, um, allocated to the HSE, but we have a shortage of 524 and a half. But what's the pay for the 500? Exactly. Well, exactly. This so that's funding. It's pay and conditions. But the, yeah, I know what you're saying. But I suppose what the government are saying is the funding is not there or the funding is there so they need to go further and address why no, they can't recruit why they can't they, retain because they, they, they don't want to go into the profession because the money's crap and those that do yep, then agree go overseas are nurses yeah, and they, doctors or they go and are doctors and are physios yep. are they go, are they work in the private sector exactly sure you're speaking to a nurse my background is nursing but then, you know, I, I worked for the HC for a long time yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you know the, obviously the HC culture and the lack of accountability there is a massive issue massive so, so there's no point blaming our guards. There's no point blaming our nurses or blaming our doctors. No. Nope. They, they're in the profession with the best will in the world, but yet they get criticised then. Exactly. You know, we've said with us from day one, this is not about the therapists and the clinicians on the ground. We know that they are in an impossible position trying to do a job with caseloads of 1,000 to 20 to 20 Bogged down in paperwork. You see them all. Yeah, it's impossible. Court, filling in forms, nurses at nursing stations, writing, writing, writing. God. Yeah, Yeah, it's an impossible uh, position to be in. Um, You know, and we need to look at why we lost 2,000 staff in the HC last year. Why did they walk away? Why is nobody asking that question? We all know, but why aren't the government not asking? Because they're telling us. The unions are telling us every day. The INMO are telling us every day. Mm -hmm. The GRA on behalf of the guards are telling us every day. Why yeah. they're leaving, yeah. why they're not joining. Yeah, yeah paying conditions. Yeah, keep Absolutely. fighting the fight, Rachel. Stay in touch. Will indeed. Thanks for I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sports every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And in other news between now and midday Stephanie Rainey will play us out live in studio just before midday with a new single We also have a pair of tickets to give away for Elton John between now and midday He plays Porky Cueve on Friday July 1st So you're listening out for an Elton John song sometime now in the next 50 minutes call a 9 uh, on 0818 wins a pair of tickets when you hear me play Elton John for Porky Cueve on 1st of July and ahead of that uh, the gig for um, David Gray is on this uh, June 18th which is this coming Sunday uh, so it's your opportunity to head down there uh, to Mel- Musgrave Park and we have a pair of tickets uh, to give away as well this morning for the David Gray gig and tomorrow I managed to get my hands on a pair of tickets for Harry Styles at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. That's on tomorrow's programme, Friday's programme. Your chance to win. I don't have transport. I don't have hotel accommodation. I just have two of these very much sought after tickets. Okay. Um, So that's an opportunity for you to take someone you love to uh, Harry Styles. And we'll do that tomorrow on air. Also tomorrow, uh, ahead of a very special weekend. 
Father's Day. Uh, I want to do a little bit on Father's Day tomorrow. I'll tell you a little bit more about that before midday. Be inviting you to share your stories about your best dads in the world because sometimes parole dads get overlooked. I mean that in the nicest possible way. I've seen over the years that we make a huge deal of Mother's Day and why wouldn't we? Absolutely. But a lot of the time, the parole dads wouldn't get a kick and a stampede. So I'm trying to make, um, trying to make amends tomorrow with, um, uh, a fantastic bar- barbecue grill to give away, courtesy of ourselves and Hanley's. Um, and uh, I'm also going to organize a case of beer. So it'll be a barbecue and beer. Perfect. There's women shouting at the radio saying, I'd love that too. That's so sexist. Give me a break. I'm, I'm like, I'm a dinosaur man. I think, okay, Father's Day. What kind of a prize would work well for a dad? A barbecue and a case of beer popped into my head. So I'm running with that. And Hanley's are on board for that. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Okay, that's all to come. Text 0868 for everything else that's on your mind. Calls, texts and comments on the way. Just after the break, I want to chat uh, with Lorraine and I'll tell you why. You heard this morning um, of um, a case in, in the courts where six million euro was awarded um, to a 20-year-old man who sued because of a diagno- diagnosis that was missed. And his mother, and over the months and, and years, uh, was plaguing uh, the health service and particularly the CUH to intervene and to help her teenage son took it all the way to the high court and was awarded six million. The, it was, they were being told that the problems were psychological and functional and they were referring the lad to mental health services and physiotherapists but his condition got worse and worse and worse and in spite of besieging the CUH saying that's not what's wrong with him. It is not psychological. He actually had a tumour. He was diagnosed with a, with a tumour. Um, so Again, that's a system, of course, that's creaking, um, you know, because it's just breaking down and, and it's not any one particular issue. It's just a complete mess, you know, and we hear of payouts over and over again now by Irish hospitals for misdiagnosis or operations that went wrong or things that weren't handled correctly. So there's all that and lots more besides after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. A lot of calls over the last few days with regards to uh, pressure and services at the A&D. And that sometimes can lead to misdiagnoses, unfortunately. Your own case case actually goes back to before COVID or anything like that. Okay, so what happened? It does. Um, It goes back to 2019 um, when I had several trips to A&E. Yeah. Um, the Mercy Hospital and the CUH and unfortunately was just met with brick walls and people telling me that basically there was nothing wrong and just to go home. And what, so were, you, what, what were you experiencing as such? I think it was severe pain, was it? Chronic, chronic pain. Um, severe tummy pain, pain in the right upper quadrant, the, you know, in the middle of my chest. I actually thought um, one day that it was a heart attack I was having. Um, so obviously the ambulance had to be called, etc. And they were saying it was gallbladder related. So mentioned that to them in the A&E and they were very reluctant to um, do anything really until I pushed for an ultrasound. So they eventually did an ultrasound with a machine that was actually broken. Oh God. There was a technician there the same day I was asked permission for his attendance. I said that was no problem. So while the sonographer was doing the ultrasound, he was turning buttons up. He was turning them down. 
So I don't actually think they got a proper picture of what was going on at all. Right. And what, what um, was it? Was it somebody in the ambulance, a paramedic said it could be your gallbladder? It was a paramedic, a paramedic the, both paramedics that were in the ambulance the same day were fully convinced it was gallbladder related. I was actually convinced of it myself. So you were in, it was in the mercy you were in with the broken machine? It was. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And and you exactly. were were you were you sent home being told it was stress and anxiety I, I of was, being a young mother? I was, they, I was well, I don't know about young now, Neil. I know, and just look at they, it. They, just, they, they, they definitely um put it down to that I was obviously stressed and that maybe I was suffering with anxiety and that, you know, that it can if you're suffering so badly with stress and anxiety it can manifest in the gut. It can, though. Um, it can, you see. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree completely. But, I mean, I wouldn't be an anxious person. And I wouldn't, like, I'm a busy mum of three, obviously. You're going to have stresses. Okay, I know. You know, okay. you're going to be busy. So there's been but, a number um, of occasions now over the past four or five days where it's, people have been told that there's nothing yeah, physically I, wrong with them. It's stress and anxiety. Exactly, exactly. And you see... They were doing bloods and they were doing, they were doing, basically all they did on me was blood and an ex- a chest x-ray. And it was coming back clear, you see. But two years down the line, since my symptoms started, it became apparent that I had inflammation markers that were in my blood that were sky high. Mm. And mm. that they had missed. Um, so and the consultant you, yeah. was basically saying um, to my husband to make an appointment for me to see a psychiatrist stroke counsellor. Wow. Wow. Did you go to the CUH Mm -hmm. subsequent to that with the same severe pain? I I actually didn't. Um, I gave up. um, You had been been to both of them though? I had been to both of them. I'd also been to Mallow. Mallow General. And did the three of them tell you that it was stress, anxiety, seek counselling? Well, one consultant in Mallow said it was IBS. Now, I would generally... I would have been suffering with irritable bowel for the last number of, you know, for a good okay. few years. Okay. So I knew what the symptoms of that were, but this was excessive pain. So bad that I'd wake in the middle of the night in chronic pain. My body would start shaking. I'd, 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 I'd spike a fever. My heart rate would start racing. My blood pressure was gone through the roof and right. they were telling me there was nothing wrong with me. So until, until so you collapsed or something, wasn't it, at home? I I I did one one afternoon in the in the kitchen here and I just keeled over in pain and I was after to a friend of a friend a colleague at work put me in touch with um, a professor in Clanmel Hospital so he was absolutely fantastic he got his secretary to ring ring me and call in he ran numerous tests all in a day and basically told me that I had diverticulitis I had a non-functioning gallbladder and I had a stone stuck in my appendix God you didn't have one which is bad they're all bad you had three yeah they were all bad and that diver that diver and I think the the perforated mm. appendix that would be cruel pain wouldn't it oh it's I listen I gave birth to three babies and I gave birth to twins naturally yeah and I do that a hundred times over than go through that pain again. Go it was away. excruciating. Go away. It I was mean, excruciating. What would have happened if your appendix burst or your gallbladder? Well, well, I was told the following day. In the end, um, Professor Merchant had to do an emergency surgery. And he said that I was a very lucky girl. 
that the diverticulitis was so bad I could have had a perforated bowel. My appendix was it was it was manky. He said it was like they called it the medical term was fibrosis of the appendix, which would have meant it was scarred from chronic infection that but, they weren't picking up on. But that would have led to sepsis, and you'd have been poisoned mm-hmm. and died. Well, it would have led to sepsis, and I would have probably been in ICU or. You know, I would have died. Absolutely. Yeah, it could have been too late before you but, got there. Absolutely. But only for the fact that I had, you know, was speaking to a friend at work and she put oh, no. me in touch with oh, this no. doctor. If, if you hadn't that lucky yeah, break. Just, I, if I didn't have that lucky break, I definitely would be dead. I, I, I firmly believe that because I was so ill and nobody was picking up on it. And was it that they were just so busy? What, what do you put it down to, that, those experiences? They were absolutely ran off their feet up there. It's just crazy. I don't know what the government are going to do about the situation in the hospitals in this country. It's, it's actually ridiculous. But you see, Lorraine, you didn't mm-hmm. die, thankfully. You know, you got the Thank professional goodness. services of Clonmel yeah. Hospital and the surgeon. But yeah. others possibly have died. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say so. Hi. I would say so. I was speaking to a man one night that I was in A&E and I had to tell my husband to come home because of the three kids that were here with, with my parents. And I was speaking to a man in the corridor. We were both on trolleys. And he had pain similar to mine. And he had been sent home two days previously. And all of a sudden, he was whipped out of the corridor and rushed up into theatre with a ruptured appendix. His wife was telling me afterwards. It's just like they're they're going by textbook names. And when your blood and your x-rays are coming back normal, there's nothing wrong with you, only you're suffering from stress and anxiety and maybe a bit of depression. That's what they're putting it down but to, and you, it's awful. When you went back into the Mercy having collapsed and you went back in again, what was the response you got? They basically said, what are you doing back here? We told you there was nothing we could do for you when you were here last week. Wow. They were their words. They Sounds were their words. You're one lucky and my husband, my husband asked, one of the um, doctors in A&E to do a CT scan basically he said to me we don't have access to the CT scanner today I couldn't believe it and I was bent into in agony so you had the gallbladder like, stuff, gall- gall- stuff going on diverticulitis going on perforated appendix and appendix yeah yeah but I had a stone also caught at the entrance of my appendix you were walking time bomb apparently yeah. I was a ticking time bomb absolutely yeah Okay. And like I don't, I don't know. So the whole thing is just a disgrace, a disgrace. And sadly, and getting when I heard, worse. Yeah. When you heard what? Uh, when I heard that lady on Friday about her daughter, yeah. and she eventually had to take her to the bonds. That's when I freaked out. Here, I was like, something's going to have to change here. Well, something, something will give. Unfortunately, yes. But you know something. You know that that road to change will happen maybe a little bit faster if people share more of their stories like you. So we thank absolutely, you for that. Absolutely, and like you know, I've I'm three years out from surgery now. You know, and I've stayed quiet all this time, but I'm like, no, it has to be said. I have to. I have to shout out and just let people know what the situation was. I mean, yeah. people knew I was sick and I got started, but. 
they didn't know the hardship and the torture that I had to go through to get started. It yeah, was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. Delighted crazy. for you, Lorraine. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for Thanks sharing. Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers, no care. problem. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. In other news, uh, this hasn't changed. The animal abuse that's happening in some of our suburbs said reason to drive to Blackpool today. This is a neat text from yesterday. I'm still very upset about what I witnessed. A gang of lads literally beating horses with sticks to get them to race in this heat. I emailed the ISPCA, but it's appalling to see and to witness. I know with your medium... Uh, of radio, you could affect change here. I don't know about that. I mean, we've been talking about this a long time. This is a horrendous practice and it needs to be stopped. I'm just so still, still so upset at what I witnessed. I'd love to come on air and discuss this further, but I live alone. I fear would be the target for these individuals. Thanks for taking the time to read it out. So that's in Blackpool yesterday in that awful heat, literally beating horses with sticks to race against each other. In other news, thank you to whoever it was. Hi, Neil. Cork County Council. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Cork County Council now, uh, an email, it tells me, are reinstating parking fees in Bandon and Kinsale and in Mallow shortly. You should investigate the fairness in Kinsale regarding their hourly parking rate. Apparently, um, Kinsale's hourly parking rate is double that of Mallow and Bandon. Um, and I have a wry smile as I speak, wondering why. Does Kinsale believe that it's higher or better or more uppity than Bandon or Mallow? Does Kinsale believe that it's a better place, that it's kind of like in a different league, that it's five star? They're suggesting that Mallow and Bandon are maybe four or perhaps even three star. Anyway, that's my thinking on it. As a local who lives here all year round, when the tourist season is well gone, the cost in Bandon, or sorry, the cost in Kinsale, it's extortionate. I call it the Kinsale price, the Kinsale price of everything. Uh, One Facebooker sarcastically asked if the Kinsale car park was carpeted. Maybe they do. Maybe you get a free valet thrown in for the cost of an hour's parking in Kinsale. Maybe, maybe they wash your car when you're not around in Kinsale. Maybe, maybe it's valet parking in the Kinsale car park. I don't know. Um, but anyway, why is it higher and how can it be good for local business? So we took a look at the breakdown between Bandon, Kinsale, and Mallow. Now, I'm not going to blind you with numbers, but it is true. In Bandon, um, apparently from the start of July the first 30 minutes of parking is free and after that then it's 80 cent for 90 minutes right? In Mala the first hour is free fairness <laughs> in Bandon they're only giving them a half an hour free in Mallow you get an hour free and after that then it's 80 cent an hour and in Kinsale <laughs> from the 1st of July the charge is 150 an hour with a maximum of two hours. And I see nothing about the first hour or half hour being free at all. So <laughs> you pay from the minute you park the car and can sail. You'll pay double per hour at 150 and you can only stay there for two hours. I suppose Kinsale is rammed, isn't it? Day in, day out with people who want to head to Kinsale for a break or they're down there on their holidays or they're down there for the day. But can anybody make out why Kinsale would be twice as expensive as Mallow or Bandon? Do they believe that they're twice as good? Anyway, your thoughts, please. Text 0868104106. Listen, just very seriously, back to phone calls. I need to get my straight face on. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And this is quite serious. Tell me about what happened with regards to your partner. 
Heartbreaking. My partner, my partner passed away on the 16th of April this year. Uh, she actually complained of tummy pains. Uh, she was very afraid. She was confined to a wheelchair. But um, she complained of, pony, of uh, tummy pain, pains. Yeah. And uh, that night, I got a phone call from the specialist in the Mercy Hospital saying that she had a perforation in her bowel. And that... Um, she was too frail. She should be only five stone weight, and he'd be afraid to operate. And that uh, he told me that it was only just a matter of maybe a week or two weeks before she would pass away. And, and when and you say that she had tummy pain, that's when that's when she was brought into the mercy, is it, Jim? She was, yeah. And uh, the emergency service—I can't thank him enough for how, how kind they were. I was just very lucky. There happened to be a car in the area. I live in the Shandon area. There happened to be a car with a doctor and, and, and a nurse in it, and um, I presume to the emergency services, and uh, they came straight away, and they did everything they could for her, and then the ambulance came about 25 minutes later, and they shifted to the hospital, and because that night at 11 o'clock, a lovely, lovely man, especially the that would have had operation that came on the phone, he was so kind to me, the way he told me, um, and he just was so sorry that he couldn't do anything for her. But I'm just saying, oh. I'm lucky that lady that was on the phone earlier on. Lorraine, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, when I have the perforated bowl, you know. So your your you wife, know, she, she was only five stone, is that what you're saying? That's all, yeah, yeah. She was confined to a wheelchair. Uh, she was my partner for 24 years. I know. Your partner, my apologies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, and you no, know, it's all right. I know. I'm just I know. coming to tell me with it. You know? I can imagine. Just, and the poor old surgeon, like idea. that's a hard call to be having to make to say to somebody. Listen. I actually believe it or not. I felt sorry for him. You know. I know. Because he did ring me again the day after, and jeez, uh, I can't thank him enough in the Mercy Hospital for how how good they were taking us in the during the last couple of hours. You know, it was uh, fantastic. What they, you know, and the. They were very kind to us and everything like that. But I know yeah. they would have done everything they could for her. Because she was a regular visitor to the hospital. She but they had said underlying problems. Underlying you know? problems, yeah. But they had said that because of her weight or perhaps her age, I don't know, age and weight. Yeah, that she, she would sixty-five, she would have been the last day. Is that year. all? Yeah. So, but that she wouldn't have yeah, survived the operation. Oh God. No, no, he wouldn't. He said there was no way she would have survived the operation. I mean that poor man couldn't get the chance of operating ever because she would have died as he as his hands, you know. I know where he's coming from, you know. I know. So those last, you, you so know, how long, did, how long did you have together? We, um, you know, in the last couple of, since you went into hospital. Yeah. We had just had three and a half days. And did you spend them with her, with Agnes? We did, yeah. They allowed us in to see her and, and, and uh, she was anointed and everything and we, um, we were allowed to stay as long as we liked with her and, uh, you know, um, she couldn't communicate with us because she was going into a coma. She said goodbye to me at the door when she was going into the avenue. What did she say? Just, just see you soon, is it? Yeah. Yeah, see you later. Ring me. God. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's yeah. all so new. <laughs> this is just the middle of April, you know? Yeah, the 16th of April. Yeah, and there we are in the middle of June. It's only eight weeks ago. That's all, yeah. That's all. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, how lucky that that lady was that was on the phone. True enough, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, uh, so sorry for your loss, Jim. Thank you very much indeed, thanks. Okay, God bless, take care, bye-bye.
One of the earlier ones, guys. Rocketman from Elgin John. Congratulations, Donald Mackey from Chapel Gate in Ballyvalan. You've scooped a pair of tickets for Friday, 1st of July. Elton John plays Porky Cueve as part of his Goodbye Yellow Brick Road farewell tour. That's what's happening, you know. Some of the greats are just... Uh, Getting that little bit older. I don't know how much gas is left in the tank, but I've seen him play twice uh, in uh, the Marquee, and it's just an incredible gig. Imagine, I don't know, it probably will be different to Barkley being a bigger gig and open air. I just love the whole idea of the Marquee and the 5,000 people and having that really big acts playing in a confined space like that. There's something very special about it. But good luck. Well done to uh, Donald Mackey from Chapelgate and Valley of Alain. We've got another double set of tickets tomorrow for Elton John. Um, and still to squeeze in today, yeah, I gave people a heart attack earlier on. The brief in front of me, here I am blaming somebody else. It said Sunday, but the gig is Saturday for David Gray. So if you got a heart attack or palpitations, that was my fault. So the gig is on Saturday at Musgrave Park. We have a pair of tickets for David Gray this side of midday. And of course, tomorrow then we'll be giving a lot of TLC to daddies because the weekend has Father's Day. So more on that between now and quitting time. Lines open. You can text 0868104106. Live in studio after the break Stephanie Rainey get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM remember who your friends are remember who your friends are not the ones you get together it's like you've never been apart and when it's good they're there for you Oh, when you're down, they'll be there too. Remember who your friends are. Remember who your friends are not. How come those sharks don't ever want to swim too far? They're always there to help, but never when it's hard. For a second, I was overnight. It kind of made me lose my mind. Mm-mm. Hard way not to let the wolves inside. Remember who your friends are. Remember who your friends are now. The ones you get together. It's like you've never been apart. And when it's good, they're there for you. But when you're down, they'll be there too. Remember who your friends are. Remember who your friends are now. It's hard. To know sometimes uh, who's on your team, your side. For a second, I could do no wrong, but seconds only last so long. Mm-mm. There's lessons to be learned from getting burned sometimes. Remember who your friends are. Remember who your friends are now. The ones you get together.
single remember who your friends are Stephanie Rainey's in studio morning good morning how do you get so much backing vocals layered over on top of each other like that <laughs> it's like as if you got 50 people you know what um, that is a product of lockdown so that was me and my partner Gary mainly uh, just stacked on top of each other over and over again and then yeah you didn't throw Jackson into the mix there Jackson was, was just being cooked at that stage so. he's now only about seven months is he <laughs> he's seven months yeah he's it's incredible it's a great song. actually I was snooping in your in on your Instagram last night um, gig after gig after gig I don't think I've ever seen somebody so happy to be back gigging again looking at your videos and your photographs yeah I mean you know it was a very very long two years I know like there's so many different things going on in the world at the minute and it's very very hard to kind of confine how everybody is feeling but I think for musicians the overarching thing is just that it's so good to be back and you were so grateful to be back I mean it's uh, it's fabulous to, there's some great shots up on it there's one fabulous one Keen, you were in it as well and you're rehearsing in a stairwell and somebody took the shot from up high of the three of you huddled yeah, literally was, rehearsing before a gig that was it that was actually a throwback it was from the opera house we did the opera house was that entry. what it was yeah and uh, we got the, like the sound in a stair- stairwell is always just amazing so <laughs> just <laughs> try and take like, your opportunities for like that David content David Gray recording an album in the, in the bathroom of his home kind of stuff <laughs> but you were playing all sorts of places recently Mike the Pies and Listol do they actually sell pies? They don't sell, although they don't sell pies. It's just a great little kind of <laughs> pub. But we did open the freezer in the kind of backstage area and it was full of pies and it made us question, <laughs> was that why it was called Mike the Pies? But no pies. <laughs> so you also, oh, there's a gig coming up in Sea Church, isn't there? Yeah, the I think it's the 6th of August. Uh, there's only a couple of tickets left for that now. But Have you played it be- before? Have you seen it? I've never been. Oh, um, it's going to blow your mind. But churches are good to me. I've, I've done St. Luke's uh, a number of times. And, and I just, that's incredible, yeah, isn't it? I just love the sound in a church, so I'm really excited to be in Ballycotton at that setting to, to do just it. just like. absolutely love it. And hardly any tickets left, you're saying? Yeah, there's very few left. When's yeah. that gig? That is on, I think, the 6th of August, I believe, if I'm correct. I should know that. Uh, supported Tom Grennan at the Marquee? Yeah, that was uh, two weeks ago. That wow. was pretty good. Um, 5,000 people knowing all the songs. They were even singing this one by the end of it, which was a good sign. So <laughs> Is that fantastic when they come back at you? Because because Garth Brooks has always said that when he came to Ireland, they they drown him out singing his songs. It's the best part of the job because I think when you're recording music, you can kind of get insular. You kind of question it all the time until it's out. Like even for me, just hearing that back now is the first time it got played on radio. And Keen here uh, next to me, he co-produced it and. I think until it's out, you're kind of always going, oh, should I change this? Should I change that? And then when it's out... Did you out, think that a while ago now you heard it? No, I just enjoyed that, you know? Uh, so I think it's just, it's the best part because you kind of see the reaction of people to what you've created in yeah, a very kind yeah. of quiet environment. And the Marquee showed you that, didn't it, with 5,000 people? The Marquee is probably my favourite gig I've ever played because there's some energy in that tent. Like you were saying about Elton John a minute ago, there's such an amazing energy in there. It's perfect size, isn't it? It's perfect size. You feel like you're at an intimate gig, but it's massive and the sound is huge and it's just 
run really well. It's just, there's nothing bad about the marquee. I just love it. It's, it's amazing. terrific. So simply read down then. It was a mind blower. You didn't go to that, no? No, just just Tom Grennan this year. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, I, and apparently Tom Jones just... Uh, yeah. Was, out of this world. I bagged my mom some tickets for Tom Jones. Uh, she brought her sister and she said that it was one of the best nights she's ever had. Yeah. Ever. Well, it won't be long before headlining yourself and somebody else to be supporting you. That's, that would be the goal, That's yeah. That's the goal. <laughs> and what's it like, little Jackson? Is it, uh, what, seven months old now he is? He's Living seven up to expectations? He is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. Look at life differently, anyway? Completely. It's just, life is just genuinely better, you know. And I think for a musician, it's kind of hard to find your timing, you know. There was never going to be a good time for me to to bite the bullet and say, like, I want to start a family. And all of the things that I thought would be harder are just better. So he's just, he's the most incredible thing. And he's happy, <laughs> happy little guy. And yeah. Have you going on tour? Uh, I didn't come on tour for the first one anyway because I don't know I think like when you're with them you just want to be able to focus wholeheartedly on them you know, I know so, but it's hard to leave them for a gig then you know in Ireland it's handy enough we haven't faced into the, the reality of like a longer stretch yet but I think that would be he'd be he'd be a little road baby then um, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. I mean he's pretty sound so far <laughs> so I feel like if his soundness continues to develop in the direction it's going we'd be okay he's a sound young fella <laughs> and the new single you talk about sharks there are a lot of sharks out there do you think you know it's funny this is <laughs> it's a it's a very happy upbeat song, but it definitely has a little bit of an undertone of uh, of just knowing who the the good people that you should you should keep around yourself and the people that can be there for only the good parts. You know, I think everybody kind of has that, um, no matter what walk of life you're in. Good to be reminded from time to time, though, of who your friends are. You only know them in a crisis. You do, and I think you know, even even like with lockdown and everything, I think people came out knowing who their little tribe was and who was you know who they missed, who they. Well said. It's you know it's. Um, it's just important. It's the most important part of life is who you surround yourself with. You yeah, know? we learned that. A lot of people kind of reevaluated everything during lockdown. You're on the air on Sundays. You enjoying it? I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I do Sunday mornings from ten until two, um, and yeah, it's just a, it's a totally it's a totally different job um, to what I'm normally used to. But it's such an adrenaline rush, you know. When when you actually start going live, it's just like it's really really cool. So I've been just loving it so far, and Keep loving the interaction with people well as well. Done. Keep it up. Sunday brunch ten to two every Sunday. A couple of tickets left for uh, Sea Church and Ballycotton. Tickets available at seachurch.ie. We've played the new single again. Watching your Instagram last night. Huge interest in your Tina Turner version of uh, the best, right? Yeah, everybody's loving that. It's a, it's the weirdest thing. I, I put it out in 2018, and you know, uh, it went out just as a Spotify release, and it's just grown these enormous legs to where now it nearly has two million streams. But like, they're completely organic. There's, it's never sat on a playlist on Spotify, so it's not just getting played somewhere. So why you'd make a fortune? It's but I mean, I wish it, I wish they'd playlist it. They just never did. But it's it's crazy to see the the reaction to it and. Um, Every day I get videos from all over the world, not lying, of people getting married and it's their first dance or it's the song they go down the aisle to. You're joking me. It's really cool, you know. So we played it at the Marquee for the first time uh, to a big crowd like that. And so when you mad. played at the Marquee, you're playing with a big band. Yes, played well, it's, it's you and Kian now, so you got to sell me on this. Oh, this is good. Well, we, we, yeah, this, this is going to be nice. You're good. I, I'll be surprised if you're not crying by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Kian Sweeney on piano and the great Stephanie Rainey with the best. In your own time, honey child.
like an angel he does this guy he here does. Keen Sweeney he just plays like someone sent down from heaven so beautiful that's awesome I Thank wonder you. what the queen of it herself would make of that version I'd love to know She pro- it's funny because it's like I've only ever God, seen this the song. energy coming off you're playing that was amazing It's it's but it's such a good when I choose covers because you get asked to do covers a lot 
I try to choose covers that have amazing lyrics that sometimes get lost behind. No, because you actually have to go somewhere to get that out of you. Don't you? you're away with it, like you're in. Yeah, there. but the, I mean, the lyrics of that song are beautiful, but it gets lost sometimes in the kind of you know the boom, big yeah. Boom, boom. But it's it's the actual song itself with the piano. It just speaks for itself, and the, the lyrics are beautiful. So it's Trip just trying to hunt for those uh, for good covers, you know. Come on, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me a couple of tickets to give away for this gig, will you? I will, go on. Well, give away two, let's do it. Give away, give away two. There's short enough supply, so let me just snaffle two off you for the upcoming gig. And this is in Sea Church on August 6th. It's a Saturday. Tickets available at seachurch.ie. We give them away right now? Do it right now. Let's do it. Good stuff. Listen, it's great to see you both. Stephanie, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Best of luck with the rest of the tour and best of luck with the single. Remember who your friends are. Kian, good to see you, my man. Appreciate it as always. Some talent. Take care. Lines are open for that for two tickets for Stephanie Rainey's gig live at Sea Church in Ballycotton in August. Get dialing now. 0818104106. If that wasn't enough for you and she's in good company, we also have a couple of tickets to give away for David Gray plays Musgrave Park this Saturday. Get dialing for those on 0818104106. Tomorrow, the much sought after Harry Styles tickets to give away. I have two tickets to give away for the Aviva Stadium gig in Dublin. So make sure you're listening for that tomorrow. Okay, uh, I've got a pair of them to give away. I don't have transport. I don't have overnight accommodation. Just the tickets. They're sold out. You can't get them. So I've got two of them to give away first thing tomorrow. Well, at some stage tomorrow on the program between uh, nine and midday. And also, uh, this weekend is Father's Day. Okay, so my only opportunity to celebrate Father's Day and sign, say nice things about fathers will be tomorrow. So on tomorrow's program, with a lot of other stuff going on, I've got a lovely giveaway courtesy of ourselves and Hanley's. Again, in my crazy illogical thinking I thought that maybe a barbecue and a case of beer I'm right aren't I dads I'm right a barbecue and a case of beer is a great prize for Father's Day so that's what we have for you courtesy of Hanley's at the Kinsale Road Roundabout a charbroil convective two burner grill Uh, this is a winner this uh, barbecue cast iron grates perfect sear marks for the perfect steak or sausage I know, we all want barbecue this afternoon, don't we? So this has got an electronic igniter and everything. All of the kind of fiddly dance stuff that dads love to play with. So we've got that to give away tomorrow, plus a case of beer. But you've got to sell me on your dad. So you can text or WhatsApp 086-8104-106. You can get in touch with us on Facebook because we've posted it up on Facebook, on Twitter, or indeed on Instagram. We want to know, what's your favourite memory of your dad? What's your favourite dad, dad memory? The good, the bad, the funny, the embarrassing... Uh, so we want those stories on air and also your best dad jokes alright and we'll have some fun with that tomorrow so uh, check us out on Facebook check us out on Twitter uh, and also text our emails so you're texting 0868104106 and you're emailing neil at redfm.ie your favourite dad memory the better the story uh, the better chance you have of winning our prize of the barbecue and the case of beer so all that and lots more tomorrow I'm out of time have a good day I'll see you tomorrow. This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.